You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. One more segment to go on Inside Black and Gold. We're going to break down some some of the issues I've seen on defense uh, over the last few weeks, particularly in this season, especially in the games the Saints have struggled in. And, you know, how 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 do we fix that going forward now? Uh, and then we're going to break down our X factors on offense and defense. But, Steve, this is something that you brought up, and I, I don't think we got a chance to go over it on the podcast yet in depth, but I did go and I, I hand-timed every single Trevor Lawrence drop back in that right, game. Right. And the early the indication I had watching it live ended up being accurate, which is he was just getting that ball out of his hands so fast. And that's frustrating for a defense in general, uh, because especially a defensive line, because you can't really do anything. You know, Tom Brady was like that. We can go back to that week two game uh, with Tom Brady in the Superdome. And it's like, well, you didn't get any sacks in that game. And I was like, yeah, he was getting the ball out in two seconds. Right. And it, as, if you're if you're playing from ahead, you can do that. And that's the bigger issue is you allowed them to get out to a lead so that they didn't have to take any risks with their injured quarterback. Now, if you were up 14 to seven in the second half or you're up by even if you're tied and they feel like they have to make something happen. That's when the you know Trevor Lawrence's longest drop back of the day, his only drop back of over three seconds, that was not a play action or a fake or a throwback pass. It was a deep shot down the right sideline when the game was tied. And it's not a coincidence that when the game is tied and the, and the Jags feel like they need to make something happen, suddenly he's standing there giving you a chance to come after him. The rest of the game was one read and out, one read and out. And, you know, and, and Bobby keeps saying no pressures the entire game. And I hear him say that. And I'm just like, I get why you're saying that because the statistics say that. But if you watch these games, why do you think he scrambled? He had four scrambles in the game. They t- totaled 59 yards. Right. And he was the second leading rusher in that game. And those were the pressures. Right. You could say they had four pressures because they forced him out of the pocket. The issue is he didn't contain him. You just let him go. And that's been the biggest problem, in my opinion, in terms of you do, you weren't able to get Jordan Love on the ground. You weren't able to get Baker Mayfield on the ground. You weren't able to get, as I hit, I hit the screen, you weren't able you to tried. get out on the ground really until that second half when you were able to make some things happen. And that's been a big issue. And I, 
I don't know how you adjust. I don't. Yeah. I think this game, Demario's knee injury might have been a factor in terms of. I don't know if he was as 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 quick to things as he normally would be, but like that's been a huge issue. And Gardner Minshew is not going to stand in the pocket either. Gardner is going to want to move around. Not a great athlete, but neither is Baker Mayfield. I would actually consider Gardner and Baker to be very similar in terms of quarterback style. Obviously, Baker has a much better, like much more significant pedigree in terms of his number one overall pick, right? But, you know, they're going to do similar things in the sense of extending plays. And he's not going to just run to run, but he is going to run when you give him a lane. Uh, One of his touchdown runs, it was from like 18 yards out. And he just juked a guy. And so to me, that's the issue. It's not necessarily the pressure. It is making sure that when you do pressure a guy, you don't give him a lane. You don't give him a, a release valve. And because you're because with a four three defense that plays a lot of man on the outside, you don't have the benefit of three guys standing there looking back in at the quarterback because you're sitting in zone because they're turning around and running up field. So it has to be that front seven that contains. And if the Saints can't do that against Gardner Minshew, it's going to be a long day. They've been able to do it in the past, so I have some confidence that they'll be able to do it again. But you know, Shane Steichen was also there for that game last year against the Eagles. He has an idea yeah, true, right? of going to try to play Gardner Minshew, and he'll be able to adjust. So to me, that's a huge part of this game is can you figure out a way to, to, to contain quarterbacks that want to run? Because those 59 yards were massive in that game from Trevor Lawrence. You know, thinking back to last year, the Minshew with the Eagles, I was really impressed how the, uh, the Saints front was able to get after that Saint uh, the Eagles offensive line that obviously gets so much praise. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, right. And with the same players you're looking at today. Uh, right. With the, I mean, I guess not. With the same edges you're looking at today in terms of Cam Jordan and Carl Grandison were big in that game. In- interestingly, you know, Alante Taylor didn't really play in that game. He was basically a special teams player. So, I mean, that is something that you can throw at them as a wrinkle in terms of they didn't deal with that last year. Shane Steichen's team didn't deal with that. And because I think you had Roby in the slot for that game, and you had Adebo and, and Lattimore on the outside. Now, obviously, Roby's gone, and so Alante's in the slot. So, yeah. But, and, I mean, that's going to be a big part of it. What's been your take with Cam Jordan this year, man? I know it's a guy, you know, we expect big things from, obviously, a vocal leader, but just really hasn't been able to apply that pressure. Uh, it, you know, hasn't really come up. He had that one gift of a fumble recovery, but other than that, what does he have? A, a one sack on the season? Well, he has one sack, but they were two split sacks. Okay. So it's you know, it's okay. like if he was the only one that got there, it would be two. Um, I got you right. He should have had one against Baker. You know, the the issue I think has been, you know, and, and I think you know, saying someone lost a step is usually a negative thing, but I think it's like when you're talking about a 33 year old guy, 34 year old guy, you know, they lost a step from their prime. It's impossible not to. The question is, how significant is that? And is it too much that you're unable to make up for it with the knowledge in your brain, right? Like DeMario, for example, he's not the same player he was at 26, but he is a better player now in terms of how he understands the game and the speed at which he can play at. I'd say the same about Cam. The problem is I think Cam forgets that. And he doesn't necessarily hedge the way he needs to at this point in his career to be able to make some plays thinking he can still chase them down when you're not 26-year-old Cam Jordan. But I don't think he's been terrible. He's never been a huge sack number guy. You know, he's always been a guy that occasionally you'll end up seeing a four-sack day and then 
he's going to end up with 12 on the season or 10 on the season. Like that's always been his MO and people have always complained that he's not productive enough because he's a run player first. And that's just not a sexy thing to be a run player in the NFL, but he is. And he plays the run. Well, you would like to see more pressure from him and you would like to see particularly more smart pressure in terms of not allowing plays to get behind you and not allowing cutback lanes where you just can't get there. So I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think we've necessarily seen anything, seen a major drop off from cam. Right. That's what I've been worried about kind of thing, just because obviously the numbers aren't there. Yeah. I mean, but he had a slow start in 2021. Right. And then he, you know, he picked up really You know, it was funny. He went out with COVID and then he came back and he had like five sacks in three games. Right. So he's always been a, he's always been a guy that, you know, from a pass rush perspective, it's, you know, he'll get, he'll rack them up in a hurry and then everyone will stop talking about it. But, you know, this has not been unusual for him to go stretches without sacks. The real question to me is pressures. And so let's look up and see what are his pressure totals this year compared to past seasons. And I can do that pretty quickly here. So, yeah, well, I'll bring it up too, just because, you know, for me, you obviously have somebody opposite him finally in Carl Granderson that seems to be that, you know, that good running mate at creating that pressure on the edge. And it just Cam hasn't been getting home this season yet. So let's see. On the season, he has 23 hurries, two sacks, which again, it's like technically one sack, but there were two half sacks, but they were separate. So it's not like he only has gotten to the quarterback once. So I, I, it's not a huge difference, but it is somewhat of a difference. Right. When you consider you're talking about the difference between four and 12 is, you know, you can make that up in two games if you have a good enough game. So let's see. In 2021, he had 27 total hurries. In 2022, he had 24 total hurries. In 2023, he has 23 through seven games. Really? Yes. He had 41 in 2020. He had 59 in 2019, 45 in 2018, 47 in 2017, 54 in 2016, 50 in 2050. And so realistically, if you're looking at that number, you're saying he's been pressuring quarterback at a higher rate. And that probably right. is due to Carl Granderson being on the opposite side and him not getting as much attention. The, the problem is you have not turned those into sacks or QB hits. And so, you know, and I think that's kind of what we're talking about is you have to be a little smarter about how you're pressuring the quarterback because, you know, like there was a play against the Bucks, the touchdown play where, you know, Baker just extended and then dropped it off to Kate Otten. Cam Jordan was unblocked. He was right in Baker's grill and Baker made a miss. And I think that's the type of play that earlier in Cam's career, he probably makes. And right now, I don't know if he, I don't know if he's right, if he's there, but either way, you're looking at a guy who, you know, pro football focus has him graded at a 79.7. You can take from that, whatever you want it, it, based on their grades. You, yeah. you haven't seen a huge drop off. So I don't know. It's easy to just look at sack numbers and right. say, where is he? But I think it's a little more complicated than that. And like we talked about in week seven, it obviously is more complicated than that because of how quickly Trevor Lawrence was getting the ball out. But no, I would I guarantee you, if you ask Cam, he would tell you he hasn't been good enough. That's great to know about the pressures this year. There was no way I would have guessed that they were that high, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the technical difference between a pressure and a hurry, but either way, you're just looking at that same number. Right. Um, right. His career high is 59. And, you know, te technically, you're not that far off that pace. Maybe they've been more generous with what a hurry is or a pressure this year than normal. I don't know. I've always wondered about that. Like, because it is kind of vague, right? Like, what do you consider 
when, when do you make that determination of he's affecting the quarterback versus he's just there? You know, like he's not impacting the play versus he is. Uh, anyway, but yeah, let's uh, let's move on from there and let's keep it quick because we've been going on for a while. And I do need to get out to the facility at some point today and let's get into X factors. And so, well, let's start on offense because we've been talking a lot about defense. Who, who would you say your your offensive X factor is in this game? Man, I think I said Derek Carr last game, and I got to go with my man again this matchup just because, uh, you know, talking well, to us. specifically about Derek Carr? Uh, just needs to get on, on, on the same page with his receivers. I want to see um, that communication working better, the offense being more fluid. Uh, hopefully yep. that, that hurry-up offense that we saw run can get, you know, brought over into this matchup. We've talked about it a lot. We know it can't get run on a constant basis, obviously. But to get some continuity and to get some kind of momentum going uh, is going to be key for this offense. And we heard from uh, Lawrence, uh, the, the Colts guest, about, you know, how how easily this team could take advantage of a Colts secondary. And when you got elite talents like a Chris Olave, um, I'm, I'm hoping he has a huge bounce back game obviously in in this too considering what's happened with him on the field off the field kind of bs but just just all around let's see the passing game uh have a big outing and it's not just because i picked up Derek Carr in fantasy football this week homer uh, yeah right yeah, exactly lawrence of arabianapolis um oh nice very yeah, well you. done thank you thank you thank you thank you Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, you know, so I, 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 uh, to me, you know, in watching that condensed game and that's typically, that's the best way I can just get a quick early read on the team they're about to face is I watched the condensed game from a week earlier and, you know, there's really no point in going back too far for the Colts as you look at them, uh, and on offense on defense, one of the things that stands out to me is they're susceptible to long plays in the run game. And, and in a lot of instances, they're coming from inside the tackles. And so, I think there's a few things that are going to happen in this game. You're hoping to get Juwan Johnson back. And if you do, he'll probably be on a pitch count. But I think that's going to directly impact pass catcher Taysom Hill. And I think you're going to limit what you're asking him to do there. And hopefully that means you can get him some more action as a runner. Because the way that they get beat in the in the run game, it's not anything crazy. It's just they get blocked. And they hang on blocks. And they allow you to get ahead of steam and get out there. And so I think that there's a chance that this ends up looking something like the Saints-Seahawks game in week five of last year. And obviously, Taysom, I'm not saying Taysom is going to have four touchdowns, but I do think that Taysom Hill has the ability to make an impact on this game similarly to how he made an impact on that game because I don't think they're going to be able to come up and make those tackles. There's always going to be situations where you look at it and you're like, Taysom Hill and that power run scheme matches up really well against this team specifically, this defense, a team that... Yes, they do fly around the field, but they don't have a ton of beef inside. They're not going to be that kind of heavy front seven that's going to be able to stack up like the 49ers and shut you down. So the Bucs are a better example probably in terms of a team they've played this year. Uh, so I think to me that's the – I think if you can get 
you know, 60, 80 rushing yards, maybe a touchdown or two out of Taysom Hill in that kind of way. Um, the way you really haven't seen yet this year, I think that could be a huge factor. That's my X factor on offense. No, take some time. Uh, you know, when he gets into a groove, you you can see sometimes they feed the hot hand and man, he, he, he has delivered obviously. <laughs> yeah. And there's also been some weird, you know, I, I will say, and this is something I've been talking about to myself, uh, <laughs> is, you know, there's a difference between reporting and, and gossip. Um, if you, if you're reporting something and you, you get told something and you look into it and you report it out and you share it, that's reporting. If you, if you're getting told by someone that someone else said something about someone. This sounds that, like high school now. And that's the depth. That's gossip. You know, and I get told things that I don't share, but you know, when I stand in front of someone and ask someone a very specific question and he tells me the answer. And I tell that back to you, call it what you want. I don't think Derek Carr minds giving up snap to Taysom Hill is, is what I'm getting at there. Uh, anyway, moving on. Let's go to the defense. Steve, who is your defensive X factor? <sighs> you know, it, it's it's been easy, I think, over the last couple of weeks. It's always been focused on the D-line, D-line, D-line. I do think, obviously, it's going to be big against a running duo like the Colts have in this matchup. But I'm, I'm going to look at... Pete Werner in going into this game, uh, just a guy I really haven't heard much of this season, and I want him to, you know, flex his muscles a bit and make an impact. Uh, hopefully, be able to force a fumble, something like that in this matchup. Tackle for you know, big tackle for loss. I just, I don't know. I've been expecting more from from Werner, and it just hasn't been delivering for me. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with you there. I don't think he's been bad. Right. Um, but you know, he was, he was, he, at the first five or six games before the ankle injury last year, he was everywhere. He was a machine. He was on pace for like 120 solo tackles and you just haven't seen it at that level, you know? And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you're overreacting and, and it's just, uh, I don't know. The defense has played pretty well, but I, yeah, I haven't seen him make that, that all around impact this year that, that you saw last year. And so I agree with that. Although he does have his first ever sack, first interception so he has been making an impact so who knows but i I agree with you it's just really tough like i said i I don't know how many weeks i can go through picking defensive linemen no i I agree (laughs) you know i'm not going to pick defensive linemen either i'm going to pick uh the interferers um and that is the saints have 10 pass interference penalties through seven games the next closest team in the nfl has six so you have been called for pass interference at nearly double the rate of the second highest penalized team for how, that specific penalty. How many does a Debo have? That's a good question. I, I know <laughs> oh, he, yeah, has, sorry, he sorry. has a handful of them, but Marshawn has a few too. Uh, I remember vividly that one against Mike Evans where he just got beat and reached out and grabbed Mike. I think that was a good right. pass interference penalty because, you know, obviously it's not good that you got beat, but he would have easily scored a touchdown. So you at least prevented that. Uh, I think he also had one against Nico Collins. Um, in week six. So like he's had them too, right? That's at least 20% of your pass interference penalties on those two, you know, Paulson and Debo, I think Paulson. So he had a couple of the pass interference penalties, but I also think they have seven defensive holding penalties and he's been a culprit on multiple of those. So whether it's pass interference or defensive holding, he's been an issue on that. I know. And a lot of detail has a couple himself too. So, you know, I think that 
those penalties, pass interference penalties, they know they really don't show up in the stat sheet. They show up on the penalties line, which obviously is in the stat sheet. But like when you're talking about, you're looking at, oh, so-and-so only threw for 240 yards. Well, if he had 60 yards gifted to him on pass interference penalties, those those count, whether they go for the quarterback or the receiver or not. I've always felt like you should just give the receiver the yards on a pass interference penalty. But because like, why is he getting penalized? In in statistically, when the yardage still exist, anyway. But like to me, that's that's been a huge a huge factor in a lot of these games, and I think it will continue to be a factor in this game. And I I just need to see, especially Paulson. You're not wrong to to single out Paulson because I think what happens is he feels like he gets beat, and his reaction is to grab and to pull and yank yank jerseys. And you don't always have to do that, right? There was a play against the Jags. He got called for defensive holding, and it was a defensive hold. But all he really had to do was put his hands up and say, okay, if you make this catch, good on you. And the ball ended up going 10 yards over his head. Uh, and like, that's, I, you know, I, I get it. You're playing de- aggressive defense and you're, you, you get a little handsy and you want to be in their hip pocket and you're going to get called for a few extra penalties with that. And that's, you, you kind of just have to accept it. It's how you play. Being fl- penalized for pass interference at twice the rate of the second highest team in the NFL, that ain't it. So hopefully they can start to clean that up. And because uh, I think that the defensive secondary has been very good, generally speaking. You just haven't, you know, there's been those critical moments like the Packers game, for example. I think they, they pretty much went the entire length of the field on two pass interference penalties. So I think that's where I need, I need to see this team get better. And that's my X factor. Yeah. And, you know, sticking with uh, a little bit with the secondary, it'd be nice to see Lattimore. Another pick six off of Minshew wouldn't hurt. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Anyway, that's all. That's all I got. You got anything else? No, man. I'm hoping, you know, come come around for our post-game, you know, podcast and that we're talking about a win because thinking about losing three in a row, coming back to, you know, home to play the Bears isn't very exciting to think about. <laughs> yeah, I think we're on the the I think we're 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 getting close to a cliff here. Agreed. I don't think you've fallen over the cliff yet. No. But you can see it. Yes. It's there. It's you there. It. And, and it, you know, you can either start to to make that turn. You got a bye week coming up, and I think that's the cliff is the bye week. You gotta you gotta start to make that turn now. Because at a certain point you're going way too fast. <laughs> and you can hit the brakes, you're flying over. And I think this next two weeks is, is where you gotta make that turn. And if you don't, this could get real ugly. And and I personally, I don't enjoy covering misery. I don't enjoy that. That's not why I got into sports journalism to to have to explain to fans why everything sucks all the time. But that's been what it is for the last two years. <laughs> and and it's it's about time that this team and this franchise figured something out and did something. The last positive thing I can recall was like 38 to three over the Packers. And everyone was like, Oh my God, the post drew breeze here is going to go great. It hasn't. I, I, to me, my flashbacks are all the way still preseason that first drive. And I'm like, man, this Derek Carr offense is going to be amazing. See, I had a feeling everyone was going to overreact to that the same way they overreacted to when Jameis went down the field against the Chargers. And I was like, we got this, you know, don't overreact to preseason guys. It's a, uh, that's just yeah. more just another another case of that. And it's just yeah. 
I mean, it's better than them looking bad in the preseason, but clearly there's Doesn't not matter. a lot of lines to be drawn from how successful that drive is and how successful his offense is going to look. But. Yeah, Dettilia, I think, said it the best. Uh, he always says, you know, preseason's a mirage. Yeah, until <laughs> it isn't, and then everyone's right. <laughs> sure. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us here on Inside Black and Gold. We'll be back on Monday. This is our kind of road trip schedule. We'll be back on Monday. We'll probably do it live if we if we have the wherewithal to get that done. Uh, don't quote me on that, but we'll have that post-game pod. Hopefully, it's a post-win pod. Check us out at Saints underscore pod on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Jeff underscore Noak. He's at Steve Geller, WWL. The nice thing is when I don't have to say a second name, I can just say the Twitter handle, and that's the name that saves a whole lot of time. But check out the latest news notes and analysis over on WWL.com. You can get Steve on the pregame show and then the on the pregame show to the pregame show and then the pregame show and then also the postgame show uh, on WWL AM 870 FM 105.3 and on the Odyssey app. You can catch me on the broadcast for those like eight some odd minutes that I talk throughout the course of a game. Uh, you know, that's the same stuff. And uh, yeah, I appreciate everybody for listening. Let us know what you think. Hit the subscribe button. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Tell us if you'd like to see anything, if you'd like to hear anything, if you'd like to talk more about Guy Liner, we can do that. Uh, otherwise, Steve, what you got? Hit him with it. Uh, no, enjoy Indy. I'm kind of jealous. I've have, I never took a road trip there. Uh, don't know much about the scene in Indianapolis, but I have heard it's it's pretty much like a walking city where you can kind of easily get around like New Orleans. We'll see. Let's do it. All right, y'all. Who that? Go Saints. Let's do it, folks. Please, y'all. Peace.